You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Unprofessional, unscripted, hated by the national media. That's what we are. It's the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live right now. If you are listening to us live right now, yes, on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. I just said there's no scripts. National media hates us. They call us unprofessional. They ask us, would Bill Belichick do that? Would Bill Simmons do what what Chris Perfett, the adequate host, is doing right now, wearing a luchador mask? Would Colin Cowherd do that? No. And that's why it's better. That's why I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host. I just said that. And joining me, as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Hello, Jeremy. I, I promise to be as unprofessional as possible on this podcast. That is my, my duty this week. <laughs> How dare you? Would Adam Schefter do what Jeremy is doing with a green screen coming to you from Ford Field? Would Adam Schefter do that? Would Ian Rappaport do that? <laughs> Absolutely not. They're too afraid, to be honest. They're too afraid to green screen. You know what? I'll even switch it up. You want me to switch up my green screen? Boom. Mozzarella. Oh, mustaches. Boom. Mozzarella sticks. My green screens in the shop right now are also becoming from Howard Ratner's jewelry <laughs> shop. Anyway, to continue the unprofessional streak, would would Booger McFarlane have an intro with a bunch of cussing by Limp Biscuit, like our man Ryan Matthews? Black is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, would he do that? No, would he wear a backwards hat? Oh my God, the sign that you are an idiot, <gasps> that you are not a CEO, a chief executive officer. Clutch Ryan is our, pearls. Ryan is our quarterback. So if on this episode of the POD cast, if you haven't guessed already, we're going to start by talking about uh, some very mad people who, uh, who are very mad at Dan Campbell for daring, daring to do the one thing you can't do as a coach. Have fun. Um, Have fun during an OTA. We are going to talk about more OTA talk, including everyone's new favorite quarterback, Jared Goff, and less than favorite quarterback, and plenty more to talk about on players. And Jeremy's got a spicy minicamp preview coming for us. But first, before we get to all that, I just want to say we are now at over 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts for the Pride of Detroit POD cast. If you haven't downloaded the podcast from Apple from Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, but we go by the Apple Podcast Reviews. Yes, thank you. Clap, small clap. Thank you guys very much. Um, I know it's not the highest reviewed because people keep leaving one stars for me, but we are at 4.3 on there with over 501 reviews. If you haven't left a review by now, be part of the empire and give us five stars. 
make it so that we can continue to say we are the most rated Detroit Lions podcast out there. The most rated. The most rated. The most rated. It's time to put all that aside and get to the topic of the day. The helmet. Um, I have no what nothing else to say other than uh, I believe Dan Campbell should be fired right now on the spot. Um, there's no excuse for it. There I is mean, nothing else to say. Goodbye, sir. You have not uh, been CEO enough. It, it's just unfortunate for Detroit Lions fans that now we've had two head coaches that before they've even coached a game have had huge controversies that have just that are of equal proportion for sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My God! Wow, put, he went there. putting our toe in that pool, huh? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's it's way too it's way too cold, Ryan. Let's uh, <laughs> let's find another pool to dip in. Um, no. So what happened was, for those who haven't been paying attention the past week, Dan Campbell is it is IndyCar season. The Indy 500 happened over uh, Memorial Day. That means the Detroit Grand Prix is always up next because Detroit hosts a very big IndyCar race. Guess what? Dan Campbell, Lions head coach, he gets to be the Grand Marshal. So what does Dan Campbell do? He's very excited. He gets to celebrate. This is Dan Campbell, a man who wants for a Cowboys season ticket commercial tackled a horse. So Dan Campbell goes and puts on a racing helmet. He puts on a racing. He puts on a racing helmet. The Vapors. The, the, the audacity of this man. And that sends tremors up the up the chain of command to everyone's favorite morning host who uh, who who is who he got. He looked up from his John Wooden book. He looked up from his book of Steve Jobs methods on how to become a successful success win guy. Colin Cowherd and went on his show and he was very upset about it. He was very upset about it. So was his co-host Joy Taylor. Now, this is the part where I have to disclose that I have worked with Joy Taylor before, and she is a very nice woman, and I don't want to hate on her too much, but um, everyone, they were both very, very disturbed by this, Jeremy. I mean, can, can the audacity, I mean, we've been talking about the, the sanctity of the press conference with, with the Naomi Osaka stuff, and he has to, I mean, the, the gall on Dan Campbell to, for, for 15 seconds. A whole 15 seconds where we, I can't even hear what he's saying because I'm so distracted by a racing helmet on his head. A white what? racing helmet. Jeremy, <laughs> a white racing helmet. No, I mean, it's, if, if, we, can, if we can break kayfabe here. Oh, look at me using a, a lion's turn, or a wrestling I can't term do that. Here. I'm wearing a luchador mask right now. Um, it's, it's silly. It's stupid. It's, it, I, I'm so, I'm. I'm not, I actually, I think it's funny. I think it's funny that people are upset about this. Um, and maybe, maybe we're, we're making mountains out of Mohill out of just one reaction of it, but you, you know, there are people out there that, that share that or at least share that anxiety of, of the lines are now the lines have always been a laughing stock and this is only going to hurt them continue to be a, a laughing stock when everyone in Detroit is just like, this is awesome. We have a coach who's just like having fun out there being himself. And that that's the key to me is he's being himself up there. Matt Patricia was never himself up there. We talked to him all along the side and he could occasionally have a little bit of a personality, but you put him in front of a mic, you put him in front of a camera. He is the most stale, most boring person in the world. We're having a little bit of fun because why not? This is sports. We don't get to have fun with Detroit Lions football ever. 
Dan Campbell's bringing a little fun. And don't say that he has to get wins first. Don't say that this isn't how you build a, a culture. Ask any of the Lions players right now how they're feeling about the Lions culture. Pretty damn good because they're allowing them to be themselves. Tracy Walker is ecstatic right now because he can just be himself. And when you have a head coach out there being himself and being a little goofball out there, like, like, listen, I know it's not that funny. I know it looks like a goof, like he's being an idiot to 31 other teams, but he's our idiot now. And I'm happy that we have a little idiot, a little, little goofball in there because it's fun. Let, let us have a little fun. Screw you guys. Yeah, um, you know, I had a feeling that something like this was going to happen because what we got in Dan Campbell's first press conference. Yes, yes. In his introductory press conference, that was Dan Campbell. And I knew that more of that was to come for for as um, for as many interviews that he did subsequently where people brought up the kneecaps thing and he kind of like walked it back a little bit. And he was like, you know, I was kind of caught up in the moment, so to speak. Um. I knew that something like this was going to happen. And I know that the book has already been written on Dan Campbell from the national media's perspective. So I know that him having fun or doing something like this was going to be met with absolute scorn and just disgust. And, you know, one of Joy Taylor's comments, and I think it goes to, to Jeremy's point, and this, this will wrap it up for me, but the idea that she goes, well, if Andy Reid does that, that's funny, because Andy Reid has somehow won his way into doing silly stuff. I don't, I don't understand the equation. I don't understand the, like, wins plus funny equals okay. Like, I, right. I don't understand that equation. What, what's the benchmark that you have to hit where you can be silly <laughs> in a press conference? How many wins? Because if, if Andy Reid doesn't go to Kansas City and he's Andy Reid, the perpetual loser of the NFC conference game, is he allowed to have fun? Did right. he win enough games? No, he, I mean, he is legally not allowed to be the Kool-Aid man walking through that press and here's the thing, like, I wouldn't maybe at least a little bit understand it if it's December and the Lions are one in 14. And oh, my gosh. Goes, like, be, yeah, it would be like read the room, right? right. It's OTAs. Exactly. It's, it's OTAs. Yeah. He's trying to make like he's literally in the middle of trying to create a fun culture here and going up in front of a camera and doing something like that. Listen, they're again, probably like they're probably players that think it's corny in the, in the Lions locker room. I get that. But I think they just as much appreciate him being honest with himself. But I don't think that cor like that corniness might be a funny thing to them. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. even even though it's like even though it's kind of dad-ish, like dad humor to do that. Yeah. Like it, there there's a level of humor in that still. Like yeah, it's, it's, not, he's, harmless, he's not, it's harmless fun. It's harmless fun. He's not wearing fun. it for nothing. He's not wearing it for nothing. He's the grand marshal of the Detroit Grand Prix, like yeah, of not, an IndyCar he's, race. Like, he's, he's he's not showing up like in an astronaut costume for no freaking reason. Like <laughs> yeah, there's there's a but I. The thing is, is that I, yeah, like I, I find the Andy Reid thing kind of compelling because we also just had a weekend where all elite wrestling, I'm sorry, Jeremy, bring wrestling into it. In, it takes place in Jacksonville. There was a backstage fight there that somehow went through Urban Meyer's office and Urban Meyers, I think, handed one of the wrestlers a laptop, a lap, a laptop <laughs> to him so he could beat the other guy half to death with it. Like, and then who was there? Was was it an assistant coach that was tossing footballs to Chris Jericho so that he yes. could chuck him? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. By the way, what was the big story of the 2020 NFL draft? It was Bill Belichick's dog sitting there at the draft table in his in his kitchen. Like, so don't tell me Bill Belichick wouldn't do that. It's just Bill Belichick, I think, is a little more guarded. He's a different person. But guess what? This is my ultimate point when it comes to. Cowherd, because I know Cowherd. I, I've listened to him for a long time and I know 
where he's going with this is that Colin Coward likes axioms. He likes a one size fit all. And, and this isn't just him. This is a problem across business in America, business culture in America, and even sports culture altogether. And uh, I even had this from a friend, like a, a, a deep friend of mine from USC, a professor, Gate told, urged me to basically find a book by John Wooden. And he and I read this thing and it's all these things about how John Wooden was a, uh, was a successful coach, but it's life lessons, it's axiomatics. And there are so many people in this country that are addicted to this idea that to be successful, it's not just enough to be successful, like that your actions are successful. It's that you have to also behave the right way. You have to dress the right way. You have to sound the right way. You have to get up at the right morning. Your feng shui has to be just perfect. Your chi has to be in balance. You have to be drinking the right things and you have to be acting the right way. You can't be wearing your, your baseball cap on backward. No, you can't do that at all. That's what dumb jocks from the Midwest do. People who are not successful. It's this Puritan way of consuming who we are, how we behave in society. It's a very peckish way of, tr of basically enforcing a very rigid, almost forgotten social etiquette. And it's being applied to sports to Dan Campbell because Colin Cowherd believes that because he's saying he says it all the time on his show. It's his own words. He believes quarterbacks and coaches are the CEOs of their teams and they should act like CEOs. The problem is that History has shown you both in football and in business how many guys don't fit those molds. And we kind of go back after the fact and assign the righteousness and the right acting to them after the fact. So it's being used as a cudgel against against Campbell for no good reason other than it's like that he's the, the, the coach of the Lions who I mean, the Lions have done plenty of coaches who are serious and where that get them nowhere. But. I, I'm sorry, like, I, I just don't buy it because I feel like that kind of thinking only really appeals to people who are constantly getting swindled by mid-level marketing schemes and then cutting negative friends out of their life because the New York Times told them to do it so they could achieve better chi. It's useless auxiliary shit. It doesn't actually mean you're a successful person in your life. Live your life as you so damn well wish and let your actions do the talking. And yes, if Dan Campbell loses, yeah, we'll probably look at this. This helmet thing is kind of silly, but I, I he's a former player <laughs> like he's right. we've already talked enough about how he's a different mold from all these other coaches. Like, again, I just said he, he, he let them put him in a Cowboys commercial where he tackled a horse. Like this is who he is and his success or failure on the field will not be predicated upon him talking about kneecaps and wearing a racing helmet. It will not. It will be it, it, based on his schemes, his personnel and his execution. Yeah, the helmet, that's nothing that anybody's ever going to look back at and say, you know why the Lions weren't successful? Dan Campbell wore that helmet. You know why the yeah. Lions weren't successful? Because he talked about biting kneecaps. Nobody's going to do that because everybody just lived through the Matt Patricia era where, you know, to borrow something from Colin Cowherd, they hired the best candidate from the most prestigious company and he didn't do jack shit. So, I mean, that that's where we are. That's where we yeah. are right now. And I, I think also this is where we are in the NFL offseason, too. Like th right. this is where we're at, where there's yep. nothing right. Or so where the lead is we're talking about a helmet. <laughs> For the that, Detroit Lions, yeah. That, that's what we're leading with, yeah. But, I, I mean, the, the whole, I think maybe the reason why it caught 
like wildfire amongst line Twitter, besides this just being the time of year for, for something like that to just hit, is, is the fact that Joy brought up, she's like, I would never see Bill Belichick do that. I would never see brian flores doing well, she that. also so called like, her okay. she also called her twitter post like i lions fans you deserve better which i think right. triggered the that's, detroit yeah, versus everybody response it's, it's, but it's yes. extremely condescending but like her using those two specific examples coming from the patriots tree when this team just came from being patriots midwest a uh, little tone deaf there we, yeah. we've tried we've tried to you know be the professional route. I mean, really, even going back to Caldwell, like, I know he let his players have fun, but he was very professional. He was, like, in front of the camera, very, like, studious and and, and decorum, whatever you want to, whatever mm-hmm. phrase you want to throw out there, like, they were all that. And, I mean, I think people need to realize, like, in general, people are just getting a little bit more informal with everything. Everything across the board, like, CEOs are are dressed in board shorts and and you know players are are starting to to be silly and and take take kind of power of their their own personalities and that can be true of coaches too now like I'm sorry like you guys can live in this old like it's funny that we're kind of considering Dan Campbell a a new age kind of coach in that he's he's letting his personality fly while a lot of his philosophies you know in terms of football are kind of more old school but that's just it like he's he's quote unquote the best of both worlds in that like he's still that tough gritty mentality that that i think you know a a colin coward would very much approve of a guy that you know was is is all about being physical and all that sort of stuff but he's also a, a guy that's just not afraid to be himself and be silly and like realize that this is this is an entertainment business we can't Matt, lose Dan, this Dan, is Dan, an entertainment business dan campbell from the bill parcells coaching tree by the way like yeah. you know yeah right and and listen he could he could pretend to be someone else and he could stand up there and try to be this this mold of the the old school coach where you know he's not giving away any secrets and he's, he's just you know towing the company line and saying you know all the normal things we say during a press conference but he's not he's being himself and I think I think if he if he shows himself that he's got comfort that he can be himself, then everyone else in that locker room is going to take lead from that and, and be themselves and be a little more loose. And and I think everyone in that locker room is and in the city of Detroit is going to benefit from that, both in terms of an entertainment standpoint. And I think I think maybe from a football standpoint, too, I think you play better when you're loose. When you're when you're tight, when at, you, you fear going in front of a press conference because you don't want to say the wrong thing and get chewed out in a meeting. That's not a culture that, that breeds a lot of, you know, happy people. And, and if you have unhappy people in that locker room, they're not going to be playing at their best. So I think this is more so the other end of the spectrum, something that I view as very, very positive, not only for my own benefit in terms of covering this team, but I think for that locker room as well. You know why Matt Patricia wasn't successful? Because he drove that ATV around. <laughs> totally totally that, unprofessional. That four-wheeler. That four-wheeler is really what did him in. <laughs> really, I mean, like that was the most personality we ever got from Matt Patricia, and everyone that, loved it at that the time. And a, that and a Ticonderoga tucked behind oh his ear, God. like that was the most personality that anybody ever got out of Matt Patricia, and he was wildly successful here in Detroit. So, <laughs> I just it, it it it's it's just so it's just such a selective reading and. Yeah, I think the way it did blow up is you hit the one fan base who has been conditioned to believe that 
the only way, the only times the national that the national media is ignoring them right up until the national media wants to take a baseball bat to them when it comes to Detroit sports fans. Like you, you picked you like it's it, I'm not going to I'm not going to say we're doing that here, but it is very much so that you attacked gamers kind of thing where you hit a fan base who is very prickly already and very isolationist and very self-defensive. Um, but look, we're not, we're not, I mean, I, I like, I like it because I have my own bias and because the whole point of the POD cast has always been that let's disperse with the doom and gloom and let's have some fun while talking about the lines. They might lose a lot, but we're at least going to show that we have some fun here. So Dan Campbell's doing just that. So I'm, he, that, that, that's my coach. That's my coach. And I, can I put on my, my Ryan Matthews tinfoil hat for a second Ooh. and, and kind of kind of play a little bit of a devil's advocate here. And just, I, I want to pose this question to you guys. Is the reason that, I mean, this, this is essentially one take that, that Lions fans jumped on and, and devoured and, and, you know, got the pitchforks out just for, for one person, essentially. Is the reason you think that this struck such a nerve because Lions fans are maybe a little bit insecure, a little bit anxious about Dan Campbell and his, you know, not not viewed as that, you know, genius mentality kind of head coach. I, I think this is touching the same button that the Matt Campbell button pressed. Mm. I think it's the he's yeah. our guy. And I think Detroit becomes so they become so insulary where it's like, this is who our guy is. He's our coach. And I, I, I notice that a lot. And I think that's something that in sports just you see everywhere in, you know, it doesn't matter which region you're in, but there's a lot of that collective pronoun we that people use and adopt. But I see that per, like that's so prevalent on, on Lions Twitter, because I think that a lot of people do identify with being that underdog. And I think that when they see when they see, as Chris you know, said, you know, the national media is so quick to pull out a baseball bat to the underdog, it really seems like Goliath is just beating up on David. Right. Right. And I think I think that that's just that natural knee jerk reaction. So I don't think it's any different than saying, well, you know, the Lions were really interested in Matt Campbell. It's like, well, hell no. Like Dan Campbell's our guy, it, whether or not he's talking about budding kneecaps or he's putting on, you know, an indie helmet. I, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. I think that he's he's their guy and they'll, they'll stick. They'll stick by him to the bitter end because Hey, we also saw the same thing with Matt Patricia. Yeah. And I think, I think part of it too comes back to the fact that Matt, uh, excuse me, I, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, Dan Campbell wasn't on anyone's radar to be a head coach among the last head coaching uh, feeding friends. He wasn't there. He, he wasn't on, he wasn't on the radar and all of a sudden he picks up and yeah, we had to justify it too. Cause we were, we were shocked. All of our all of our uh, um, research was going to other guys. It was going to other former head coaches or, you know, hot shot defensive coordinators, be it Sala or or uh, or a- anyone else that Brandon was Staley. out there at the time. Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley, Staley. Yes. But like I was going to say some offensive coordinators, but like that's who we were looking at. We weren't looking at the assistant head coach to Sean Payton, a guy who had whose last head coaching stint was four and twelve basically taking well i think it was a little less than that actually but yeah it was 12 games with the dolphins where he had to take over for joe philbin and was just infamous for just getting laughed out of the building a few times nobody was thinking about that i mean he went like five and seven like yeah no no he did fans one wanted to keep him around 
I, I guess, but there was also a couple games where he just got blown out too. Like, yeah. And I mean, he was a bit of a joke even in Miami because he was doing the Oklahoma drills and everything. But like, you know, when we talked about it, we talked about, and we talked rightly so, I think about, Hey, you know, he's grown with learning under Sean Payton. He's been able to adopt. And again, he had, as a head coach, he's been that, as a head coach and he's picking up a ton of guys for a great staff on paper yep. and giving them a lot of opportunities, guys who want to be head coaches someday too. So, I mean, hell it's just, I think it creates the perfect, the perfect storm for, yeah, our, our favorite, our favorite hashtag. I say that groaning a bit Detroit versus everybody. <laughs> the, the, the last thing I, I want to talk about really quick before we had to break, cause I know we were going a little bit over in our first segment here. Um, that, attachment, how dare you. that, that attachment that Ryan was talking about, that, that, Dan Campbell is our guy, our, our head coach. I feel like this is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. Yes, it, it happens every time there's a new coach. Yes, it happens every, every time there's a new regime. But this feels at least a little bit different because I do feel like he is resonating personality wise with what Lions fans haven't really seen in a very, very long time. Like, And there are a lot of like very honest, legitimate moments where it just felt like this is this is something cool. It's it's a former player who had played on the lines. Granted, it was only for a year or two. He stepped onto that practice field and shed real tears walking in. And the the thing is, and I wrote this with I wrote this to a Minnesota blog. A lot of coaches come in here and say Detroit is special and it's a great sports city. And it's blue collar, blah, blah, blah. I don't buy it most of the time. When it comes out of Dan Campbell's mouth, I kind of buy it. I kind of buy that he believes all that stuff. I kind of believe that he thinks Detroit matters, that he thinks this is a special sports city, that this place is important to him, that this job was important to him. And I think that has endeared Lions fans in a way that I haven't seen really ever with the Lions head coach. And yes, it could all fall apart in year one. And if he goes two and 15 and yes, like I, I do think fans will be, could be quick to turn on him. But at the same time, I think this is why we've seen such a vigorous defense of him is because he's he's done an amazing job in three months, four months of just endearing him to the city. And and that's why anyone who dares dares make fun of our our, our dear head coach, they're, they're going to see some quite quite some backlash before the season starts. One quick quote before we go to break. He was playing on one arm. He was still out there starting, playing against beasts out there, but still sustaining. So mad respect to him. And I know the guys are going to respect him. That's Calvin Johnson talking about Dan Campbell playing for the 2008 Detroit Lions. Now, if that is uh, if, if we deserve better than that, I don't know what that looks like. So we're going to take a break. When we come right back, we're going to talk a little bit more about OTAs. We're into the second week of OTAs and uh, we're going to talk about Jared Goff looking uh, pretty good right now. Who, who could have seen that? Maybe we'll talk some Tracy Walker, talk some running backs. And then later on the show, Jeremy is going to walk us through our preview of Lions minicamp. Stick around. We'll be right back in the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we move along from the national media to local coverage by us on OTAs. And we've, uh, I think Jeremy and Ryan and everyone else at Pride of Detroit, Eric, we've beaten to death the OTAs. And yet somehow we're going to keep going at them because they're what we have right now. This is June. We are starving. This season will sneak up on us, but until then, we have a bunch of shows to entertain you. Um, on that programming note, by the way, ListCasts are coming very soon. But for now, let's talk about OTAs. Jeremy, over to you. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just start with what I think was one of the bigger stories from Thursday, and that was how good Jared Goff looked. We got a lot more seven-on-seven seven looks during practice. Um, he basically had three sessions, and he went something like 16 of 20 or 17 of 20, had command of, of the offense, found various targets. And and the one thing I was looking for that we didn't get during the previous sessions, whether it was rookie minicamp, obviously Jared Goff wasn't there, but um, or, or the previous week of OTAs, deep passes. The very first play of, uh, of, of seven on sevens during OTAs last Thursday was Jared Goff corking a ball downfield beating uh will harris and and and, you know basically what amounted to like a 60 yard touchdown pass and so i I was impressed by it and and maybe maybe the the reason i was so impressed with him was because tim boyle looked the exact opposite like the the guy (laughs) the guy went over over four over five on his first set of of seven on sevens um, you know, everything that whether it was Tom Silverstein or, or any of the other Packers beat, there was like, this guy's going to challenge Jared Goff for the starting job. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely 100 percent not going to happen. This job is Jared Goff's. The only way he loses it is via injury. And I'm going to go ahead and say that's going to be true for the entire season. Jared Goff is your quarterback. He looked pretty good. And then le- let's also put this into complete perspective. Seven on sevens are highly in favor of the offense. If Jared Goff did not look good during seven on sevens that would be a problem he's also probably going against the weakest point on this line's team which is their secondary there's still a lot of questions about their secondary will harris did not look particularly good on thursday that's a concern safeties are a concern corners are young that all being said he's not dealing with a great wide receiving core he's not seeing the benefits of a, a good offensive line because there's no offensive line on seven and sevens Jared Goff looked pretty darn good, and then and I'm I'm willing to at least be a little bit optimistic about that, even though he needed to be good. Yeah, I think I, I think 
I was impressed by him. I think it's not going to move the needle for a lot of fans because I think a lot of fans have already just made up their mind on who Jared Goff is. For good or for ill, you either believe in Jared Goff. Again, going back to our first segment, he's either your quarterback or you've decided that this guy is just not good. And there's plenty of people who I don't think, I I don't know. I I have some reservations in that it it is sevens on sevens. And the one thing Jared Goff has always kind of had um, spook him in recent years has been pressure. You didn't really uh, get a ton of pressure uh, right now. I mean, granted, you know, if the offensive line plays as well, maybe that's not true. Maybe he doesn't get pressured too much in the regular season too. But, you know, right now in practice, he's not going to be seeing the kind of live wire pressure that really screwed him up at the end in, in Los Angeles. But I'm, I think, I think what impressed me though, Jeremy, and you mentioned it is the deep ball throwing, right? People question his arm sometimes and he was able to, he was able to get it out. He was able to let it fly and he was fairly accurate with it. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm where, where Jeremy left off in the sense that this was just one of those boxes that Jared Goff needed to check because if he didn't, then that would be a huge cause for concern. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, but here's the thing. He cleared that hurdle nonetheless. So, I mean, like we're, we're on to the next step. We're on to, to, to bigger and better things. Like, you know, if, if Jared Goff would have struggled, then maybe questions about his arm strength or questions about, you know, any, anything else with Jared Goff would all of a sudden be, you know, a lot more valid um, than they are. So it still, it's, it's, the 2021 Detroit Lions, a work in progress. Yep. So, so far on track. Yes. So far on track. Nothing's the, broken yet. Oh, was that? <laughs> I kind of like that. Was that a, was that an IndyCar pun back on track? Maybe. Is this, is this, is this car talk? <laughs> no, absolutely oh, not. We retired car talk. We retired. We retired car talk. Do not bring up car talk ever <laughs> again. In, in the first segment. <laughs> I mean, we really should have had it in the first segment. But anyways, uh, I would say that maybe one of the more um, secondary uh, storylines last week was getting Michael Brockers back there, um, a, a veteran, and I think a guy who's going to be an important voice in this team, considering they they you know they they draft two defensive tackles um, that that are going to play a big part in this team's future. You got a guy like Michael Brockers who's a, a great locker room presence, uh, you know, a guy who is going to know exactly what this team is going to want from the front four, front three, however many people they're going to have on the front. Um, and one of the more interesting things, and I wrote about it this week, was what he had to say about Aaron Glenn. And get ready to lick your lips, Ryan, because I know you're, you're an Aaron Glenn stan. Mm. But Michael Brockers, a guy who has been around some damn good defensive coordinators, Wade Phillips, uh, Brandon Staley, he says, just in, in two, three months of Zoom meetings and this one week of, of in-person meetings, he says Aaron Glenn is, quote, 100% the best communicator I've ever been around. Now, we, we played coach speak or, or, you know, you know, OTA. Or, I don't remember what the game was real called. Real talk like. or coach speak. Real, real yeah. talk or coach speak. This is either real talk or, or player speak, but... To me, that that carries a lot of weight from a dude, and and granted, like he's in a new team, and of course he's going to say good things about his coaches, but that that's pretty damn high praise from a guy who's been around the league for nine years. It's not it's not surprising whatsoever, though, because he's probably talking the language that Michael Brockers is well versed in. 
He's a former player. He's a guy who has has done it. So Michael Brockers is in a really comfortable situation where, you know, the the lines of communication are loud and clear. So, I mean, but dude, this is why I was so excited about getting Aaron Glenn. Like he's a guy who is not too far removed from the game, playing it at a high level. And wow, you know what? He he rose up the ranks and he, you know, he had to, you know, be a be a intern scout and. You know, he had to work for the Jets of all places. I mean, come on. I mean, the guy has really I mean, he's he's finally he's as close to making it as he can without becoming a head coach. And that's it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So I was going to say I'm pumped like, about yeah. this. Yeah, I was going to say like the uh, the 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 angle on the angle on it is like he wants to be a head coach. Right. So this is all just good bulletin board material of like, look how well I communicate with my guys. Look how I. Well, I communicate with my with my veterans like it's he's checking all those boxes. Yeah, I mean, but th- and this is also not the first time we heard players excited to be playing for Aaron Glenn that had a relationship with him. I mean, Michael Brockers, who knows what kind of relationship that he had with Aaron Glenn prior to this. But Jeff Okuda was somebody who was ecstatic when the Aaron Glenn hire was made. And because yep. he, you know, he worked with him at a it was a defensive back camp, I, I think it was right. Yeah, some some sort of thing right out of high school. Uh, it was like a competitive summer camp or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Aaron Glenn. Good. Yeah, and, and and then you know his first week working with Aaron Glenn, he says Jeff Okuda says something like, "The stuff I've learned in two weeks are stuff that I wish I had learned at any point <laughs> during my rookie season." And so he's he's a good communicator. He's giving cornerbacks valuable information and here's uh, to, to further on the on the michael brockers quote he says just being a player who's played in this league he has that understanding of that perspective of being a player so when you ask him a question or something like that he can definitely answer your question where you need to be it it seems like such a a, a basic thing but it's something that the lions are doing across their entire coaching staff former players yeah. that that know how to play the game, know what questions are going to be asked, therefore can answer them from a player perspective. And it's, it, it's just, it's fascinating what the Lions are doing. And we talked a little bit about this during the, the locker room is that what the Lions are doing feels very unique with their coaching staff. And every, every bit of feedback so far has been positive. But again, you have to kind of pull the curtain back and be like, well, okay, everything is supposed to be positive right now. If anything negative is coming out of camp, something is very wrong because this is the time where I mean, it's just like it's a PR dream. Like this is just a it's cool late season. It's cool late season. It's 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 mostly a PR stunt. <laughs> like I mean, obviously they're they're getting stuff done on the field, but in terms of the media coverage of OTAs and minicamp, it's a PR stunt. It's it's everyone getting themselves hyped and all that sort of stuff. That being said, this does it feels at least a little bit different. The lines are trying something new. The lines are trying something that the players are getting behind, and and. I do feel like the players are being genuine. I, I can tell you for sure. And and this, this maybe this will transition to what I want to talk about next. Tracy Walker. You can tell when that dude is being genuine and you can tell when he has something to say and he won't outright say it, but he'll, he'll kind of intimate it. Like when he says, and you know, I, I guess this is how I'll put it. I'm having fun now. Like we know what he's saying when he says, I'm having fun now. I wasn't having fun before. And now yeah, he's having fun. <laughs> I was going to say you could drive a semi truck through the lines that you're supposed to read. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I pulled this big quote from him where he's just, again, it's, it's the former players that, that, that really bring this coaching staff uh, a lot of respect. And so he, 
forgive me for reading a, a long quote. And I guess it's also about their track record as coach because Tracy Walker says, you know, with the previous safeties that they've coached, they've made a lot of plays. Von Bell, Marcus Williams, those guys are pro bowlers. That speaks for itself. Malcolm Jenkins. I can keep going. They were all great safeties and they all made a lot of plays. Like I said, they all listened to AG, Aaron Glenn, and AP, Aubrey Pleasant. He's the same way. I feel like the... Those guys have coached some of the best corners and safeties in the NFL, and I feel like I'm go- they're going to help transform my game, and I'm listening to them, and I'm bought in all the way. I'm bought in all the way. Yeah, I just, I, I, I again, going back to our first segment, like, again, part of it is PR, right? But yeah. at the same time, like, I don't know how much better you can sell this right now with this coaching staff on getting guys to buy in. And you can think him wearing a racing Dan Campbell, wearing a racing helmet is bad, but like it's, it's, it's the same way Bill Parcells would took over with his personality, his stories, his kind of infectious attitude. It's this, this coaching staff has figured out a different model to go on. It's not an adversarial model. It's not this pressure cooker model. Like we're all worrying about our jobs. It's this model of, Again, half these guys are were players. They're all they're all learning. They're all in this together, and it it feels. I, I've said it before. When an NFL when a former NFL player becomes a coach, it does make it feel like they're still part of that team. And we got that when we talked with Deuce Staley, right? About you know how he wishes he was still out there. He acts like he's still out there sometimes, and I'm sure that that goes on down. And yeah, that helps with communicating to your actual players. Yes, I I mean. A happy player is going to play better than a, than a pissed off player, plain and simple. Mm. And it's it's abundantly clear. And maybe this isn't true across the board. Trey Flowers is kind of an interesting case study. I don't know if he's mm. going to be happier under this coaching staff or not. But for the guys that were underperforming, the guys that need to turn around their careers before it's over, those guys, though Jeff, the Jeff Okudas, the, the the Tracy Walkers, those guys are happier. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with having it. and and it's legitimate. Like you. I can't tell you how clear it is to me that, that these players are happier than they were last year. It, it's, it's, not, it's not just a PR stunt. These guys are legitimate happier. And, and again, like, doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be better. Doesn't necessarily mean Tracy Walker is suddenly going to be a pro bowler. We don't know that yet. But they're going to be happier, and, and that's something. That's something. And, and to, to, to kind of bounce off your point, and maybe, maybe we'll transition to my next point here, having former players still feel like they're part of the team that is 1000% showing up at OTAs because you mentioned Deuce Staley and what he said to us, like sometimes he's, he's bouncing up and down on the sidelines. Well, I think you mentioned before too, Mark Brunel has like, we were even joking. Yeah. Hey, Mark Brunel yeah, could just screaming. be your guy at, at practices and everything. Maybe Mark <clears throat> Brunel is going to throw the football around there a little bit sometimes too. Who knows? Yeah. But like Deuce, Deuce Staley got in Alex Anzalone's face after Jamal Williams shook the crap out of him and took a pass for, <laughs> for 50 yards. He got in his face like, what are you going to do now? What? Like he was a player out there and it was fun and it was ridiculous. And maybe Alex Anzalone didn't appreciate it. Who knows? But I bet Jamal Williams sure did because Jamal Williams was sitting on him too. And that's just kind of the fun energy that they're bringing. And like I said, it's not, it might not work for everybody. And that's, that's the key is they're going to have to reach everybody. And that's one thing that we kept saying about Matt Patricia, like, yes, you can be an authoritative type. And yes, there are going to be certain people that respond to that, but there are also going to be a lot of players that don't. And so the same works on the other side. Like you can be all fun. You can be all raucous. You can, you can get in your own players face and, and be fun with it. 
But you also have to reach those other guys that might not appreciate that. And that's something we don't know if it's going to turn out or not. But for now, I would say the the coaching staff has has gotten overwhelmingly positive reviews from the players, not just the fans. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit more about some other running backs making uh, good impressions at OTAs? Yeah. Well, OK, so OTAs are interesting. Talk about for, destruction for running backs because you can't judge a running game during OTAs. There, there are very, very rarely any team drills that involve offensive line versus defensive line because contact's not allowed, because pads aren't on. So you can't judge the running game at all. I think Anthony, Anthony Lynn came out and said that. It, you know, OTAs, minicamp, they're just not for the running game. So what we're going to do in de- instead, put those guys out wide. We're going to see that we're going to put the guys fish out of water, as he put it. See what they can do on the edges as, as you know, wide receivers or, or scat backs or, or, or whatever. And guess what? They look damn good doing it. They look damn good doing it. And that should get you. I mean, if you're in a PPR league, look at me talking wrestling and, and fantasy football. Fantasy on one podcast. football out of Jeremy. Oh, my God. DeAndre Swift. My goodness. And, and you could either look at this as, as a glass half full, half empty. They put Trey Flowers on DeAndre Swift and it went just about as good as you would expect we i know some people were already wringing their hands about putting trey flowers at outside linebacker because he's gonna have to cover let's hope to god that the other teams don't have a deandre swift because my goodness he had that guy beaten in an instant and jamal williams can do it too like i said like he beat alex anzalone in an instant and so that's an underrated part i think of, of jamal williams's game but i think that's something that i mean we could see 60 70 catches out of out of deandre swift this year and maybe maybe it was just them using him in that situation because, like I said, they have to because you can't get anything out of the running game right now. But if if they were testing DeAndre Swift as a fish out of water out wide, that dude is a salamander. He's fine. Well, that thing about DeAndre Swift is what made him like pro football focuses number one running back, you know, in 2020. Like his receiving ability, they thought that it would be really easy for him to translate playing the slot and and doing other various things that, you know, life as an NFL running back kind of demands of you now. And I, I just thought it was so interesting to to both these points, Jeremy, like, I mean, the you can't really judge them on their running prowess in OTAs, but they're at least making an impact where we see this offense as being kind of without an identity at all whatsoever, because there's all of this influx of new players and new talent. And, you know, the wide receiver room looks almost completely different aside from Quintez Cephas, uh, Geronimo Allison won't even recognize it. Right. And, but you look at the running backs and it's like, that's where the identity of the team kind of lies. And the only guy who's a holdover is Swift, which I think is where you come to a, you know, you come to a crux where it's like, okay, but where does Todd Gurley fit in then? So like, I mean, what what do we do with Todd Gurley? Because the comments that the coaching staff made made it seem like they really want Todd Gurley. Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell literally said those words like, yeah, we still want Todd Gurley. And that that in and of itself is just kind of, wait, did you just say that? Like, you just said that about a free agent? Um, okay. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean, it, and, and then the, the uh, Anthony Lynn and... and uh, and Deuce Staley also mentioned him and, and said very good things and said, like, yeah, if he he will help the Detroit Lions. So I, I, I don't I maybe would stop short of saying it's 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 going to happen. It, it's 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 bound to happen. But I feel like there's a pretty good chance it happens. The Lions still have one free um, roster spot 
and maybe they're just working out numbers or maybe Todd Gurley doesn't want to go to mandatory minicamp so they do it after mandatory minicamp who knows um but either way like it seems like he's probably going to be part of the equation so what is that part of the equation what do, what do you guys think I think it's third string running back, but at the same time, like, I'm not going to get too worried about that. I know some other fans, as soon as you tied the name Todd Gurley to the Lions, people on Twitter got really upset about the idea and thought it was a dumb thing. And it's it's probably the same camp that uh, probably doesn't think that highly of Jared Goff. And I get it because both of them fell off around the same time. Yep. And I think when it comes to Todd Gurley, it's more of a it's more of a, uh, a, a, a puzzle to figure out because like with, with, with Jared Goff on where he fe- fell out, it was his weaknesses that just got exposed a little bit more, be it pressure on his blind side or just his accurate or his accuracy sometimes. But for, for Gurley, I, I have no other word to describe what happened in Gurley's career other than the yips. Just he was great one day. He woke up another day. And suddenly he just didn't have it anymore. And I know we've talked about it before on a former stream, Jeremy, like when you're, I, cause I, I think yips can be overcome. You can come back for them, but your point, And I, I respect it a lot is that for a running back for that position where injuries just pile up and your micro injuries, even more so just, you're getting hit time and time and time and time again. Like it is much harder to come back from that kind of stuff when you are, a running back to find your stride again. I just, I just don't see any potential signing as being a disaster because he would be third string. I, he, he will get touches, but I don't think those touches are stealing anything away from Swift or Jamal Williams. If he, if it does that, then that happens during the season, but I can't sit here right now and say, Oh, I'm worried about him stealing touches because a, that would imply that the lions are just going to use him like, like, like Patricia used, Adrian Peterson, which we don't know that you don't know this new offense and you don't know what their role is. But again, he would be third string because I just don't see him unless he makes a clear return to form. He would be third string right now. He'd be behind Swift for certain and he would probably de- almost definitely be behind Jamal Williams. So I, I wouldn't be worried about it too much. I think it's it's one of those flyers that you maybe take. But and yeah, maybe there's some better third strings out there, but it's it's third string running back. I just I think it's probably inevitable. It probably will happen after after minicamp. Yeah, I mean, Todd Gurley also tore his ACL in college. So, yeah, um, you know, when they found out that a guy who was in his mid 20s was already having arthritis in his left knee. I mean, that's. Like like you said, Chris, I think your point is like he had it and then he didn't have it. It just there wasn't anything that major happened to Todd Gurley while he was with the Rams. It was just like this degenerative knee problem. And it, it is kind of it's freakish in, in the sense that, you know, somebody who was clearly at the top of the league in terms of running backs, you know, was there one minute and then gone the next. Um, who knows if he can ever capture it again. But at the same time, Adrian Peterson led this team in carries last year. So anybody who's worried about not getting enough DeAndre Swift this year is just insane. Like you're going to get a lot of DeAndre Swift. Don't worry about how many touches he's going to get. To me, the, the question of this always becomes of what's what's in it for Todd Gurley. That that's oh, that's the head scratching part for me. Maybe that's why it hasn't happened yet because Todd Gurley has always been the guy. His entire career, he's been the guy. He, I don't think he's ever had less than like 180 carries in in, in a season. 
in his you know six year career. And now he's not only not going to be the guy like like Chris said, he's third string here. Let's not get. I like, think maybe, I think maybe he realizes this is like I need to do it here as third string to show that I'm useful, or else I'm completely done. I think that might be what it is. Maybe, but you have to imagine there's a place somewhere where he could potentially get more carries than a third stringer in Detroit, maybe, who might, a team that might be playing from behind. I every game maybe maybe unless his reputation, like again, we've seen what Lions fans are reacting to Todd Gurley. That's got to be across the league after his Atlanta stint. Like there's no question his his stock is down, but it's it's cratered, man. He sees he's a penny stock Mm. right now. Yeah, I I, I don't. And that's I I guess that's the the point that we should drive home is like if the line signed Todd Gurley, they're not going to be breaking the bank for him. It's clear that he's going to be in that third role because they spent a lot on Jamal Williams because they still very, very, very much believe in DeAndre Swift. So it's not going to be a huge role for him. And listen, he he brings a little experience to the backfield the lines. You know, they, they, they don't have a ton of experience in the backfield right now. I think it was, I want to say it was, uh, Deuce Staley who mentioned his leadership, his, his love of the game, that sort of thing, uh, being a value to the room. So I'm, I'm willing to believe him there. Um, but yeah, tangible on the field. I don't think the lines are going to get much out of him other than kind of a, a break class in case of emergency option. I think so. I, I think it's unlikely people keep saying, oh, maybe we can like bring him on to be a player coach or whatever. I don't see that likely. No, like, I, I, he, he wants to play I football. I joked about guys. that last week. Oh, I joked yeah. about that. Was, that was I know, but I saw it being, I, I know, but I saw some people regurgitating it seriously, <laughs> Jeremy. That's your power. That is your power. Like, I, have to, I, have to, I have to be careful with these. Very careful oh, with your magic hands. Yeah. Some would say with great power comes great responsibility, Jeremy. I wouldn't say that. I don't like Spider-Man. Anyway, uh, but thank you very much for that. Let's put a bow on that. Hey, guess what? Speaking, we've talked enough about minicamp. We keep hinting at minicamp. Let's preview minicamp. We're going to do that next. Coming up on the third segment of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's minicamp time. Yes, we're transitioning from OTAs to minicamp. Means we get to preview more, not actual football. I love these months, Jeremy. But it's mandatory football. It's mandatory minicamp. It's mandatory football method. (laughs) You just had to be there, man. You have to be there or else you'll get fined like Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. That's right. That's right. Where do we want to start? Um, do you want to start on Tyrell, Tyrell Crosby? Yeah, let's do it. Um, and, and yeah, just in case you don't know what the, the offseason schedule looks like, right in the middle of OTAs this week, uh, the week of June 7th, uh, we're going to have three mandatory minicamp sessions. 
Um, good news. All three of them are open to the the media, so you're going to get daily reports this week. Um, but yeah, I think the the number I don't know, maybe not number one story, but one of the bigger stories is will Tyrell Crosby show up? He obviously did not show up to OTAs, which are voluntary. Doesn't isn't a subject isn't subject to fines. But just like Aaron Rodgers, Tyrell Crosby is subject to fines if he doesn't show up. The exact same amount of fines, so you know, up to up to ninety plus thousand dollars if he doesn't show. Last week, Dan Campbell said he expects him to show. That doesn't necessarily mean he will. Obviously, Crosby is also in the middle of um, some trade rumors. So I guess I don't, I don't know if I have uh, uh, necessarily a question for you guys other than do you think he shows up? Um, but it, it's definitely something I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. And then like also, I guess, where he fits in too, right? Like because we have seen other guys slip into the, the team two um, reps at, at offensive tackle. Does he slide in? right back as you know maybe the backup left tackle the backup right tackle or do does the coaching staff make him work his way up since he missed out on OTAs this is the hottest storyline in the NFC North when it comes to (laughs) will he or won't he be traded Tyrell Crosby Um, Chris uh, can I put on backup tackle right he's the backup tackle like of course he's going to be there Yes, I think he's going to be there. And to answer Jeremy's question about where he's going to be on the depth chart, allow me to pull a Ryan Matthews and put on my tinfoil hat. If they want to get the best value out of trading him, they will showcase him as the backup tackle rather than trying to punish him for not being there and making him work his way back up. Because A, the latter sounds like something the fat bastard would do when he was coach. But also B... If you want to convince people this guy has trade value, you don't uh, punch him down to third string. You you keep him right there. You show you, uh, you know, mini camps open to the media. We will all be watching. We'll all be seeing what he can do there. So I think and also it just makes sense, right? He is, I think, skilled enough to be number two on that depth chart for four tackles. Like there's no reason for him to move down any further. And look, we went into OTAs with plenty of scub. NFLPA branded announcements that players wouldn't show up. And most of them did because the PA is kind of weak, but yeah, if Crosby Crosby, I think will show up to mandatory. He can't really afford those kind of fines and there's no reason for him not to just because like, he's going to be, this is a con. I, it, it's either this, I'm sorry. I, I blank. It, it is, is a contract. contract. It is yep. a contract year. Yep. So like, yeah, you, he's going to have to, you know, play hard. Here's yeah, my but, tinfoil hat real quick. Ooh, I want to okay. I'm going to pass the tinfoil the hat one. from me to mm. you. Thank you. I put it on and I say, this is going to be the first time that you're going to hear about Tyrell Crosby getting reps at guard. Because what does Ooh. that do? I, I, I think that, I think that that makes him an even more attractive asset. Oh, look, he's got a little positional versatility. He could be your backup guard. He could be your backup tackle. Tyrell Crosby, give us a third round pick. <laughs> that, that's that's very tinfoil. I don't. I can't say I agree that that's going to happen. It, it's an interesting theory. I, I have to imagine Crosby would hate it. Like he's already <laughs> in a bad mood, probably being on on the trade block. Probably already in the bad mood for not getting a crack at at the starting right tackle job after they they drafted Panay Sewell. I, I guess he could theoretically be in you know, contention for the starting right guard job with Halapuli Vati Vaitai, but doing a positional change at this point in his career when, when he's already kind of established himself as a pretty good tackle or at least uh backup swing tackle, 
That would be that would be rough. I don't know. Well, what if you just see him taking reps at you know right tackle or left tackle with the twos, but then he's out there playing right guard with the threes? I don't know. I don't know. Why not? Who's it gonna hurt? Logan Stenberg. No, nah, not really. He's wow. a All right. He's so, a second team. Uh, so now we talk about Jamie Collins coming back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. J- Jamie Collins missed the first two weeks of OTAs. Excused though, not not throwing a fit. He told Albert Breer last week that he's at home. I think I want to say Charlotte um, with his girlfriend, wait, awaiting the the birth of his second son. So that's an excused absence. Um, I, I who knows if he shows up for mandatory minicamp. I I haven't heard yet whether that he's he's had the the second son or not. Um, but again, it, it is mandatory, so he would potentially face fines. But you'd have to believe if he decides to stay home and has an excused absence from the lines that they might waive those fines. They don't have to find him. But um, the, the the reason I find this interesting is just because we haven't seen him out there and we don't exactly know where he fits or who would be alongside him. Like we've seen a lot of Alex Anzalone out there. We've seen a lot. Uh, there's been a heck of a lot of conversation about Jelani Tavai. We saw Derek Barnes in OTA week one. He didn't practice in, in week two. So when he's in the lineup, Who's there next to him? What that that's interesting to me because you have to imagine James Collins is sliding into the starting lineup for sure. Um, but who's the other inside linebacker when they when they're in a three four? Is it is it Anzalone? Does Jelani Tavai get first team reps still? Does Derek Barnes ever get in the starting lineup? You have to imagine he's going to work his way up there. But to me, I'm I'm interested to see who's who's that inside linebacker alongside Jamie Collins, and and hopefully we get an answer this week. Yeah, Jamie Collins, noted linebacker wearing number eight. It's just going to be so weird to see linebackers wearing single digits, but <laughs> yeah. I'm it's right there with you, Jeremy. With DBs wearing single digits. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's almost, I don't know. Yeah, it's just going to be weird seeing a lot of you know positions in different numbers. But yeah, for a guy that you figure to be a starter, and he's probably your best linebacker, I mean, you yeah. would hope that he would be there more often than not. But I mean, if you're having a major life event like your son being born, hopefully the Lions give him some yeah, that doesn't, time that doesn't, to uh, on paternity leave. That doesn't exactly plan itself around OTAs and minicamp, you know. So, I heard it doesn't. No, it does not. So hopefully, hopefully though things will work out because, as you say, like it's a very um, shallow unit right now, right. and you kind of need Collins there to to headline it. You really need him there to spearhead it. I think he'll no probably question. be he's going to be looked at probably to be the leader of that unit alongside Jalen Reeves Maben probably. Like they're the, the, those are probably going to be the two veterans there that just are going to have to carry the load. And uh, the more time he gets to spend with the team, the more reps he gets to learn. I mean, to to uh, buy into Anthony, um, I'm sorry, Aaron Glenn's system and get uh, really settled is the better it's going to be for the Lions. Yeah. And and, you know, we, we just finished the segment talking about how running backs were tearing up. OTAs because the lines <laughs> don't have great, you know, front seven and coverage. Yeah. Well, Jamie Collins is your best bet probably because the dude is the most athletic of the group. Um, he, uh, he is, he is big, but he also brings that speed that I think uh, could, could flash at times in coverage. It's not his best asset, but it's something that he probably does better than anyone short of maybe Jalen Reeves, maybe. And again, I don't, I don't Jalen Reeves, maybe might be their special teamer and it might be a, maybe even a captain on special teams. Because, like you said, he is that veteran, but I don't think he's going to be the the answer on defense. As much as I think people are like, well, he he kind of fits what they're trying to do more so than the previous regime did. I I don't think they're they're putting a lot of hopes on him to to contribute a lot on defense this year. 
Yeah. And uh, let's just keep it with linebacker talk. Derek Barnes. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I, it was, I, did, I don't think it even hit me until after practice last week that he wasn't. I mean, I knew he wasn't out there, but it didn't hit me how much I missed him being out there because of everything mm-hmm. I just said, like the running backs being out there running amok. A guy like Derek Barnes, he's, he's a guy that, again, he has some of that speed, um, that sideline to sideline speed that we've seen on his tape, that he needs those reps. Him going against DeAndre Swift every day in practice, that's going to be extremely fun to watch, and it's going to be extremely beneficial for Derek Barnes. And so I hope to see him out there um, this week. I did notice he was part of like the media day today where they're taking a bunch of photos and stuff like that. So it's a good sign that's not a long-term injury. Um, assuming it was injury, we don't, we don't really know why players miss OTAs, but he wasn't there on Thursday. Hope to get him back this week because I think he's a guy that can really benefit from, like I said, going up against some talented guys in on the offensive side. Yeah, I was going to say, Jeremy, maybe explain to the people out here, like what changes when we go to minicamp versus what we've been talking about for OTA? Like as far as like, are we going to get a better showcase for offensive linemen out there? Like what, no. what, what what's going to change <laughs> a, a lot for you? Honestly, it's it's probably not going to be too much. They'll they'll probably ramp up the intensity a little bit, which means maybe you know more seven on sevens. But you can't you still can't put on the pads. Contact is still not allowed. So it's really the the parameters of what they can do are the exact same. The only difference is one, it's mandatory. Two, this is probably the last chance a lot of these guys are going to get to have any sort of on field contrib- contributions until um, training camp because. Dan Campbell specifically said already the last week of OTAs, which is next week, we're just kind of going to focus on rookies that week. It's kind of going to serve again. Rookie minicamp part two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, He said, you know, if any veterans want to stick around, they're more than welcome to. But um, we're we're basically excusing everyone and saying, let's just focus on the rookies. So this is your last chance to make an impression before training camp. Intensity is probably going to be turned up because of that, because there's going to be so much rest after that. So I think I think we'll probably see more team activities, maybe th- see things speed up in between drills and things like that. Just kind of a more um, quick pace. But in general, um, not not a lot can change in terms of what they can specifically do on the field. But we also get them for three straight days and that's fun. We get a lot three more coverage. straight days. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess the way to cut, tap this off then is. What are the main storylines you guys are looking forward to? What besides what we just talked about, Jamie Collins, Derek Barnes, Tyrell Crosby, like what are the big storylines you guys are looking at? I think tell you. Yeah, yeah, go on, Ryan. I was going to say, I think for me, it's 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 slowly evolved and maybe it isn't the most. um, Maybe the most interesting aspect of what can happen over these next few days, but to me, like the Todd Gurley stuff has started to really like pique my interest. Like I, I find I find it interesting. I do. Um, and I think I I think I just find it interesting from the perspective that it's it's an opportunity for a veteran back to come in here when the Lions don't have one and a guy who when he was good, he was maybe the best player in the entire NFL. But it's not it's not the same thing as Adrian Peterson. Like it was very clear that Adrian Peterson, like his best days were were way long gone. Like this is Todd Gurley who you know, he's obviously he's 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 worse for wear. But at the same time, by all accounts, it seems like he's a guy that the coaching staff really wants, like the coaching staff really wants him there. So I think that that's one of the most interesting storylines to, 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 you know, monitor for me. I think what it is for me is um, and we talked about him earlier, but I'll just go ahead and say it again. Like I want to I keep want to see more out of out of Jared Goff. 
I want to see how he evolves with the system that Anthony Lynn's putting in. Um, I want to, again, uh, I'm not going to be able to see how he's going to respond under pressure adequately enough, but um, hey, there's that word. But I think accuracy wise, I, it's like, it's like kind of like throwing at a pro day. You should pretty well know exactly where you're throwing because you've got favorable conditions during OTAs and during minicamp that you should, you know, like you, you'll be getting some pressure, but it's all going to be about, you know, you're, you're going to have ideal scenarios. So you should be getting that ball exactly where you want to place it. Maybe your receivers getting tied up with a defensive back at that point, but that's not on you. I just want to see that his mechanics are there, that everything looks good. And maybe we can slow the roll a little bit on some of the people who are absolutely convinced that Jared Goff does not deserve to play another snap in the NFL. Yep. Jared Goff will remain a, a huge storyline throughout the entire year. And yeah, I think, I think everyone's going to have eyes on him from, from now until then. Um, my, my desire for minicamp, because to me, it, it's the two biggest question marks on the roster. It's their secondary and it's their wide receiving core. I want to see some one-on-ones. I want to see some wide receivers go against some quarterbacks. I haven't seen that at all in minicamp or, or during OTAs. So, I, I, I mean, I think that's a great way, it, easy way for me to evaluate as, as someone just standing on the sidelines. It's, it's also like, it's a really, com- those are some of the most competitive reps you see during training camp is wide receivers versus cornerbacks because, you know, those are two guys, two, two positions that like to talk a lot, right? And two, two positions that take a lot of pride in their work. And so I want to see some of that. Maybe, maybe it's just going to be seven on sevens and, and we don't see the 1v1s, but that's where I'm going to have a lot of my focus is just, I want to, I want to see if, if Aaron Glenn can get that secondary tur- turned around. I want to see if any of the wide receivers can, can use that chip on their shoulder and become a true number one or become a true number two or any of the depth guys on the wide receiver chart. We saw Victor Bolden last week kind of make a name for himself a little bit with a couple of big catches and, and obviously um, some work on, on punt return as well. I want to see something out of out of the big guys. I want to see if, if, if Rashad Perriman can can convince some people that that he might not be a, a bust in the NFL level. I want to see anyone, any really anyone, kind of. And and you know what? One thing I also haven't seen, and and this this will go against what what Chris said, but I haven't seen an interception yet. I'd like to see an interception. Hopefully, it's not Jared Goff the one throwing it, but <laughs> um, I, I want to see some defensive players get their hands on the ball because I think it was you, Ryan, who, who mentioned like. Well, they have seven interceptions last year. Mm-hmm. Something, something yeah. really low like that. Um, so that's something that's going to need to change. And, and yeah, that's something that maybe just it wavers from year to year. But we need we need playmakers on the defense. And, uh, you know, Aaron Glenn is is the one source of optimism there right now. And I, I want to see I want to see some fruits. Of, it's early. I understand that. But uh, I want to see some fruits of those labors this week, hopefully during mandatory minicamp. Yeah. Well, speaking of quarterback talk, too, though. Do you think that with how bad Tim Boyles looked that David Blau has a chance to be the backup? Well, this maybe. is Jeremy's favorite topic. You mean backup I know, quarterback talk? I know it's I know it's just OTAs, but yeah. I guess I guess like much is going to be made like during training camp too of like the quarterback depth. The people are sure. undoubtedly yeah, no, going to talk about it. No question. I the worry I have is I don't want to overreact to one practice. Yeah. Because Tim Boyle was really bad last Thursday, that doesn't mean he's been very bad. Um, and he wasn't. I, I didn't. I didn't notice him being exceptionally bad during the the first set of OTAs. So um, that's just something that that I'll have. I, I, based on last practice, I would say yes. That that is a competition. Um, but based on 
what everyone else has said about Tim Boyle. I think maybe we just caught him on a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, it's early. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I think, as always, you know, our, our axiom here is that if we're going to the backup quarterback, you're already screwed anyway. Yep. So whoever is, the team is that, <laughs> that hasn't been given much of a chance in the first place. No, 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 no. Oh, man. No, 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 no. But uh, hey, that's it for the POD cast. Um, Jeremy, are we going to have any kind of reaction podcasts from tr- minicamp, you think? I am planning on it, yes, because we we are up to Amonra St. Brown on our first bite podcast, but uh, I just got word actually today that we're probably going to have to push that back to next week. So uh, I would expect at least one first bite podcast that is just mandatory minicamp focused, maybe two. And as always, we um, we have locker room up and you can join it there now available on Android. Out of all the SB Nation shows that are showing up on Locker Room, I think we are, by and away, the biggest. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Keep showing up for Eric and Jeremy to, to keep asking keep asking questions of them. I might try to j- jump in at some point. Ryan, too. Ryan's there, too. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to jump in at some point now that it's on Android. It's just at a weird time for me. But, uh, yeah, we're just... We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're always in your ears. And uh, we thank you all, as always, because you guys have made us as big as we are. And it's uh, pretty damn cool. So for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, we're getting out of here. Thank you for listening to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. And as always, we'll see you star side. Mm